And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Coming up on the podcast today, we've got beef between Damian Lillard and the Clippers. we got beef between TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler. The Phoenix Suns are the hottest team in the bubble, and they're still trying to get Devin Booker out of there. Plus, what does the Most Improved Player Award mean to you? All that and more on the Athletic NBA Show, which starts now. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. Monday through Friday. On the Athletic Podcast Network. Stay woke. Bruh. New York strip steak? Ooh. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang! With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writers. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show, Basket Buds Edition. That's right, it's Monday. We're starting off your week right here on the Athletic, on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. We got Jay King, we got Trevon Edwards, we got Dave DeFour, we've got Wozni Lambre, we've got Mike Smeltz producing it, and we have controversy, gentlemen, in the form of one Damian Lillard who doesn't like to talk until he talks. And when he talks, he really lay- lays it out for him. So they lose to the Clippers, what was that, Saturday? Saturday morning, right? Saturday midday. They lose to the Clippers. Portland Trailblazers need all these games. They lose to the Clippers. And not only do they lose, Damian Lillard misses two clutch free throws to help that loss happen. Clippers win. Patrick Beverly talking trash. Pa- Paul George talking trash. They're laughing. They're waving goodbye. They're doing all that stuff. So Damian Lillard gets asked afterwards about it, and he says it's just a sign of respect, really, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he sent Patrick Beverly home in spectacular fashion. He sent Paul George home in spectacular fashion. And so it's just a sign of respect of what they know he can do. Then we got some Instagram comments. Trey, make sense of why Paul George, for me, make sense of why Paul George is so defensive here. Because Paul George, with the Instagram comments, with the Instagram stories saying, well, come on, you guys are talking now, and you don't know what it's like to go through six injuries and to come back and lay it all on the ground and all this stuff, he comes off looking the worst out of all this, in my opinion. Well, actually, he's not defensive, because he's <laughs> he's been sent home a couple of times. But um, <laughs> to, be, to be honest, like, you know, once, once, once you get ganged up on, everybody always has excuses, and obviously if he played a huge role in it or not. And, you know, obviously the families have gotten involved too, which has turned into a big mess. It's it's just it's just something to say, you know, the comments is even more entertaining. I was surprised that Dame even responded. But, of course, he felt some way. Um, and, you know, it just kind of was great until, you know, the family members, you know, Paul George's, uh, I don't to say his wife, but the mother of his child and then Damian Lillard's sister involved just took the whole fun out of it, you know, because it was kind of looking like, you know, the bubble, the bubble was actually becoming the bubble because, you know, you're going to have to see these guys and wondering how guys would react or, you know, and all it did for Paul, I mean, all it did for Dame is inspire him to get 50 points today. Dame's the only one who could say his message and have it mean as much as he did because when he went in the Instagram comments and told Paul George, like, you, you had to leave or whatever he told him, like, you had to leave, you had to go get guys. 
Dame is solidified. Like Dame has stayed in Portland. He has dragged a team that didn't have too much talent to the Western Conference Finals. He has gotten better and better every year. He's as loyal as they get. He would never. He has never left. I doubt he ever will leave Portland un- unless they trade him somewhere. So when he says that message, it burns. Plus, on top of that, he beat Paul George. He beat Paul George when Paul George had Russell Westbrook next to him. He beat Paul George. He beat Patrick Beverly. Beverly's not on his level. So I, I thought Dame came out of this, e- even though he missed the two free throws. He he came out of this just just lovely. That I enjoyed his entire speech, and I, I think it means a lot because of who he is and what he's done in Portland. And obviously, you know, he he hit that, what, what, did, what did Paul George call it, like a bad shot, the 37-footer yeah. series ending? Looked pretty good to he, me. Yeah, and that's that's what Dame, Dame does. So I, I think Paul George, he, he tends to have some reactions where he looks bad sometimes, and I think this, this time he looked bad. Like Dame Lillard somehow came out on top even though he missed the two clutch free throws. When I when I listened to the Dame comments, I thought of two things. One, um, this is the NBA as WWE, but in like the best way possible, right? Like it's theater. Like and, and I think part of it is the guys know they're they know what they're doing, you know, playing up the idea of some sort of hatred or dislike for each other, because we love it, the fans love it. Um, it's great. It adds a, a layer of tension to the game. Um, besides what's already happening on the court. And two, just being around the Clippers all year, like, this is kind of how they are. They're a bit of a, some people would say cocky, arrogant, confident, however you want to, you know, depending on where you stand is probably what what word you would use. But this is right in line with the sort of attitude of that group. Like, they're they're kind of assholes, man. <laughs> like, they... They just are, um, and, and and so that's why I'm just like, well, this is still like, even though it's Paul George, and it's like, you know, I'm the go fishing guy, and you know, I'm the been dreaming of being a Clipper my whole life, telling lies guy, but like, <laughs> right, but um, but you know, this is this is part and parcel for what the team is like, so I, I wasn't really surprised at all. Now the family members getting involved again, that's. You know, more theater. I just think it's even funnier for me. Anybody anybody mentioned that the one guy who's actually done something on that team is the quietest one? <laughs> right? Like Kawhi is like the, the only quietest real one or killer. the quietest one. Trey, don't oh, block exactly. me. Exactly. I mean, he's the Can only real <laughs> like he's the real killer on that team. Like you know, when I when I think about Kawhi Leonard, like if I think about Damian Lillard. Patrick Beverly and Paul George. The only guy even approaching Kawhi is Damian Lillard. I'm not. I'm not picking those other two guys over Dame any day of the week, and it's because Dame can send guys home. And I just. I mean, we all talk about it, and I know we joke about it all the time. But Paul George is great at showing up in games that don't count. Let's see if he's got this same energy in a month. Of course he will, because he'll have Kawhi leading the way. That's easy. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Like that's this is my issue with Paul George talking shit. Right. I actually don't have a problem with him talking shit. It's that when you then get one upped, because he did, he got one up by yeah. by Damian Lillard, which that happens. If you're gonna talk shit, then there's a chance that you're gonna lose that shit talking battle, which is fine. It happens. It doesn't. It doesn't actually matter. And then you start whining. 
Then you start whining like the woe is me. Oh, but you know, I've been through injuries and I've had six surgeries. It's like, we know. We don't need your Wikipedia. We know. We've watched the whole fucking thing, Paul. And we and part of that was Dane waving your ass goodbye. And it's okay. You lost, right? You've won series and you've lost series. That's what happens in the NBA. And until you become a champion to normalize losing. Right. (laughs) Until you become a champion because Kawhi, you know, drags your ass to the finals. Like that's gonna be your story, and that's fine. But don't talk shit, and then and then be mad that someone was better at talking shit than you. Well, Dame has broken up two franchises that he's played against with buzzer beating threes. Paul George has done it twice by asking for trades. <laughs> yeah, and then the Thunder got better. Case so closed. Case closed. That We're was the here. line of the podcast that, right that, there. That was mean. That I, didn't, was, I, didn't, I didn't expect us to bury somebody today, man. <laughs> I really thought this uh, was What do you think I brought like... all these shovels for, Trey? This is, this is what we're here for. But here's the thing, too. Like, when Dame gets involved, you know he's going to win the, the back and forth. I, I feel like he, he rarely gets involved, but when he does, it's just like there's a violence behind what he does and like a purpose behind what he does that, that's pretty rare. Like he, he goes at guys next when he does go. And you also knew he was going to have 50-something points today after after he missed two big free throws. Like Dame, Dame is steady. Dame, Dame's a force. And like th- that Portland Trailblazers team has had so much bad luck this year. Their roster is not great. Dame never complains. He just keeps scoring bundles and bundles of points and trying to drag that sorry ass team to the playoffs. Now, yeah. Didn't Is, Damian Lillard also write a letter because he didn't make the all-star team? Oh, Dame complains all the time. Right? That's the thing is Dame's like, oh, I got snubbed. It's like, actually, there's like 18 West All-Stars in their 12th spot. So you didn't get but, snubbed. Like, But to be fair, I think the trade-off is him getting written off every year that the Blazers are not going to be shit and not make the playoffs, and they make it. <laughs> every year, they either get 8th, ninth, 10th, you know, they actually got a chance to make it to the Western Conference Finals, which was even more wild. But, yeah, nobody had that expected. So, I think, like, despite him whining for the All-Star Pinchers, and he's about to pass Chris Webber, uh, sadly. Um, but, uh, overall, dude, dude is a gamer, man. And I thought, oh, I, yeah. thought his, I thought his response was exceptional and, and, and how it's supposed to be. And, and someone on Twitter, I think it was Pierce, who said that, these NBA guys have to realize that, you know, Dame doesn't have friends. They're just employees. And that's, I think everybody needs to have that approach, make it normalize that and, and, and get back to get, get back to the, the perfect bump in, in, in the bubble. Well, that's the thing, Trace. I think it's whiny and kind of corny when, when Dame complains that he didn't make the all-star team, but then the next two months he goes and lights up the rest of the league, right? Like exactly. he backs up that trash talk or that complaint or whatever. He, like he backs it up by going out and lighting the league on fire. Like Paul George is gonna pouting. is gonna is gonna back this up by saying, "Hey Kawhi, can you do this for me?" <laughs> <laughs> Man, it, it, I hope oh, we, we are Bob lighting up Paul listen. George. This is, this oh, is, oh is, you know what, Jay? It must be an end of game situation then if we're lighting up Paul George. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> <laughs> we need well, a bomb sound in there. <laughs> Like he's well, he's well, awesome. Doing like Paul George is awesome, right? He was third in MVP voting last year. He's incredible. But quit complaining, quit whining. Like if you want to well, talk shit and you want the smoke, when the smoke comes back at you, you can't then say, "Well, actually, I've been through six surgeries." 
Well, and what's funny is, you know, the other night, the other night when he, when Zach, when Devin Booker, voice. You're, you're I know. It, look, it felt bad when I used the voice. I no, don't love that I did that. But you used the what, white voice while being white. You can't do that. It was, it's an That's exponential whiteness that I don't, I don't advocate, but I used. Okay, that was uh, privilege right there. Cultural appropriation. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Somehow I, I appropriated my own culture. I don't know how yeah. I did it, but I did it. So we talked about this the other night, Zach, on the ding. You know, Devin Booker hits that very difficult fadeaway shot over Paul George, right? Now, it's not Paul George's, you know, fault that the the shot was made, right? You're going to get your eye dotted if you put yourself in that position. I respect that Paul George is always willing to defend. Absolutely. Especially at the end of games. I love that, right? But don't, like, like the, the calling Dame's big shot, a bad shot. That's, I mean, that's like loser mentality, man. I agree. Like, <laughs> like Alonzo Mourning got dunked on all the time, right? Yeah, but he also exactly. blocked the shit out of a lot of dunk attempts. Mm-hmm. Like, you put yourself and in that Paul George, George a great defender. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Paul George is talking crap about game 68 of the regular season to the man who ended his season last year with a series ending Broke 37 up the franchise. Footer in his mug and he forced him to ask too. for a trade. Wait, the franchise got broken up? I thought Westbrook stayed. Oh no! No! Oh, Washington <laughs> here. He he, quote unquote, got Rusty. traded. You know, <laughs> well, they made, he didn't he ask made for a the trade. team better. Vocal stayed. Yeah, Russ stayed. I feel like I feel like we've gone overboard on Paul George. I, think I was Damian Lillard I was fully should be on executive Dame, of the year. <laughs> well, this is also what I like. Right? Is Dame in that game on Saturday? He talks shit. Like he he points to Patrick Beverly. I want you out here. I want you out here. Right? And then he chokes. He misses two huge free throws. Who knows? That game may cost them the playoffs. It might absolutely cost them playoffs. That could have put them in the eight seed for all we know, and they just need to win one game in the playing tournament. We don't know how that's going to finish out yet. But he talked shit. He choked, and he owned it. That's what happens. That's how that works. Like I don't. Do I don't. This is the issue CJ I have with Miles, Paul George. Do you guys remember when CJ Miles took a wide open shot at the end of a game, and Paul George got absolutely heated at him? And came out and said, like, the superstar has to take that shot. That was my least favorite press conference any player has ever had. Just threw his teammate under the bus. Said, basically, like, nobody else deserves the ball in the final moments except for me. After a, it was a really open shot. A good look. And a better shooter than he was at the time, by the way. (laughs) CJ Miles was a better three-point shooter. Coincidentally, my favorite favorite press conference ever. I just brought up a press conference from like four years ago. Well, my my favorite press conference ever is someone asking Carmelo Anthony if he's going to be a six-man. He goes, who, me? That's my favorite press conference ever. (laughs) That was good Paul, Paul, you heard that? (laughs) (laughs) They said six-man. They said bench. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, like I just, look. Maybe the Blazers aren't going to make the playoffs. Maybe they will. We'll find out within within the next week, right? By the time we record this next week, we'll have the full playoff picture and we'll know. Um, and if Dame ended up screwing the Blazers over by missing those two free throws, then I guess Paul George has the last laugh in this. But no one is no one really cares about Patrick Beverly's part of this because, as Jay mentioned, like Dame is above that, right? Patrick Beverly gets to punch up. Dame doesn't need to punch down. But he and Paul George punching those are even planes. And you and if you're gonna go if you're gonna go punching, you have to be willing to take those shots. That's my issue with Paul George. And I th- I think Lillard gets the benefit of the doubt here too, because like his legacy right now, like obviously his 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 legacy isn't solidified yet. Like it's not over. 
But right now, he's a guy who stayed in Portland through whatever. And I think I think that's cool. There's a coolness to that. Like, Marcus All and and Mike Conley, the grit and grind, Zebo, Tony Allen, those guys, like, there's a coolness to that. You don't have to win a title to be remembered and beloved and awesome. And And so I think Damian Lillard has that stamp where, like, there's a coolness to the lane that he's carving out, and it's his own lane. Hundred percent. I mean, it, look, it's a it's a hairy situation, unlike when you use Manscaped, mm. right? Facts. Now, let me tell you a little personal story, guys. Well played. I've been manscaping for years now, not with Manscaped tools. This has just been part of my grooming situation, right? Not oh, so you a veteran? Oh man. Well, I thought I was. Was I thought mm. it was? You know what this feels like? This feels like I've been playing in pro ams my entire life. And then all of a sudden, I got I got called up to the NBA. An NBA team signed me, and I was like, "Oh, this is what the pros are like." That's what Manscaped is because, and I'll even I'll even admit I've told this story on other podcasts before, but I'm going to admit it to you guys because this is a safe space, and I believe that we should be honest with each other. I've been using this lawnmower 3.0 for Manscaped for months until I found out that it's waterproof. I've been doing I've been I've been manscaping over a over a wastebasket like an idiot. <laughs> Like an idiot. Was you knew? You knew yes. before I did? No, 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 no. You actually put me on. I was I was manscaping on the can. Right. <laughs> right. And <laughs> like the, you know, just a just an easy drop off flush sure. sort of situation. But the shower is a game changer. You go right to the shower because this lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof. It's part of the perfect package 3.0 kit that comes with the lawnmower 3.0, the cordless body trimmer, and all the liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You also, for a limited time, our subscribers get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, it's a $39 value, amazing little little bag that you can put all your toiletries in, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. Dave, I know you're about these boxer briefs. Everybody knows, because I have mentioned it every single time Manscaped comes up, these boxer briefs, no lie, are incredible. They're incredible. Now, I'm going to throw two words at you. That maybe you hadn't thought about putting together before, but once you once you use it, it'll change your life. Ball deodorant. I'm just gonna say this. Now I'm not. You hear that and you just think, how come we haven't been doing this the whole time? Yeah. You know what word comes to mind when I say those two words together? Luxury. Let me tell you this. I don't want to get into personal business, right? What happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom. I'll just tell you. Since that ball deodorant came around, things are looking up. Well, as you know what I'm talking about. Oh no, of course, and especially again here in the valley, Oof. it gets Oof. so hot, dude. It's, it's oh my god, you know, uh, basically a hundred degrees every single day. Yeah. So the, it's impossible to walk to the grocery store without this being an issue. So right. you know, the ball deodorant has definitely been a godsend in that sense. Yeah, and just because it's pushing three digits here in the valley doesn't mean I can't take care of the one digit that matters the most. You know what I'm saying? You can get 20% off plus yep. free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. And for a limited time, subscribers are going to get not one but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and those Manscaped Boxer Briefs anti-chafing. Just go to manscaped.com today and use the promo code THEATHLETIC20. Now, speaking of things that don't cost a lot of money, you know what does cost a lot of money? Draymond Green. Draymond Green been tampering. He tampered on TV. Trey, he basically said, we got to get Devin Booker out of Phoenix. 
And now the Suns are Suns are hot right now, right? Suns are the perfect team in the bubble. They're five and zero. They're looking to go six and zero against the Thunder in their next game. And Devin Booker has been the main reason for that. But Draymond Green says that's not enough. We got to get him out of Phoenix, and he got fined fifty k for it. When keeping it real goes wrong, luckily Draymond has fifty k sitting in his uh in his car uh, panel. So. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's, that, just, that's, that's just that's just couch cushion money for bank. him. Yeah, yeah. that's piggy <laughs> bank money, so he can afford to that. But also, kudos to Draymond Green and his uh, his breakdown. It was really good. Um, need more of that. But um, yeah, man, the the Bubble Boys are doing great. The Bubble Boys are doing great. They got five. They're five and zero. Oh. Um, they got a, a big game ahead of them uh, tomorrow, and then also, so they're gonna do a back to back. Actually, um, they got the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then they have another team after look at the schedule, but. Booker's playing well. Campaign is he's actually playing well, which is rare for me to ever say in my life. Shouts to campaign. Shouts to campaign. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the rest of the team, they're picking up Javon Carter, the Bulldog. Yeah. Had a good game last game. You know, they're they're locked in. You don't see too much of their content on NBA Bubble Life. They're 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 doing what they're supposed to do. Monty Williams has these guys buying in and and it's only a glimpse, hopefully only a glimpse of of what's to come moving forward. It's such a weird time to be demanding that Devin Booker gets out of Phoenix. Yes. It, this was the wrong time. His whole career. Uh, is it though? His whole career, you could have said, we need to get Devin Booker out of Phoenix. They have surrounded him with nothing. They have given him bad coaches, bad teammates, bad everything, bad owner. Now they finally have something worth believing in. Like th- Those players, you can tell they are totally bought in. They are tough. They play hard. There is something. It's a real team now. Now, will Devin Booker take this team and win a title? No, but he can get to the playoffs with a team like this, maybe in the future. Um, and I, I just think it is a very, very strange time to to say that he needs to get out of Phoenix when finally the Suns have. A little bit of promise. Now, There's some promise now, hold there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They're hold in the on. midst of their first five-game win streak since 2014. Okay, and all it took was a pandemic. Now, let me play Right. Let me play Donald Side Sterling. Note, the same time I arrived in Phoenix. That's true, actually. That's true. Now, let me, let me play Donald Sterling's advocate here, okay? This is a team who started out the season like 7-4, and four, which isn't 5-0, and oh, but 7-4, and four, and it was, why aren't they hiring your power rankings? Oh, why aren't we putting respect on the Phoenix Suns? Oh, we need to look out. Oh, Monty Williams doing this, Monty Williams doing that. And I think Monty Williams is a solid coach, right? He's a good coach. He's a great motivator. He's a great communicator. But eventually, things get adjusted to. And, and what's helping right now is all these guys are bought in on defense. Like, I've never seen Devin Booker defend like this. Like Mikel Bridges is getting all the all the praise, and he deserves a huge amount of praise. But the real reason that Mikel Bridges works the way he does is because one, he's good, but two, they're switching him and Devin Booker constantly. So Devin Booker's actually doing almost I would say like 40% of the work that Mikel Bridges is getting credit for. Like they're playing incredible defense, but at the same time, guys, it's the Suns. Like it's Let the Suns, like like the, the, like we're we're celebrating that the Suns haven't been the Suns in the bubble. Which yeah, let's do it. Let's celebrate as long as we can. But I don't know that that means Devin Booker needs right. to make a, a Kobe let, and Dirk career out of it. Let Let me ask you guys a question. Uh, this was clearly Draymond was kind of throwing a shot at ownership. You know, we we the Suns routinely come up when we talk about ownership mm-hmm. being a competitive advantage. Yep. Is there a point where the league needs to say? 
hey, uh, you need to shape up or ship out. Because you can't have one of your teams right Mm. so mismanaged that you have players going on on television with one of your broadcast partners and saying that your best player and the franchise best player since what Steve Nash yeah needs oh, yeah, to leave sure. that's bad that's bad for the NBA every other team should be bothered maybe bothered by Draymond saying the quiet thing out loud but that's, let's not act like that's, that's not true right yeah, that's but that's we all what know I was, this. That's what kind of yeah. I don't want to say I was pissed, but I definitely rolled my eyes because if you pay attention to what Draymond does whenever he gets on any media platform, he's basically this is his audition tape for yeah, he when, whenever he's done playing. Like he's he knows what he's doing. He's being very intentional. He's trying to go viral. Kendrick um, but I just don't know that you should be saying the quiet part quite that loud. Um, it's bad for the league. It's bad for the league for him to do that. Like, it's just a bad uh, look. Is it, though? I, I don't think I, I that's think, I think it is. Well, I think okay. it's a bad look so this for a player built on to just tampering, openly be saying that. But it, that's not, it's not tampering. All right, so I didn't think he was tampering at all. I, I get that, like, they made that little joke and that that's what the league is going to find him for. But to be honest with you, it's conduct detrimental to the league. Because what you're saying is one of your owners is so bad that the best player that they've had in 10 years needs to go somewhere else so he has a chance to be with a successful franchise. Now, don't stop at Phoenix, Draymond. That's what I say. Tell me what other teams players shouldn't be going to. Because you know <laughs> the Wolf, players are Knicks, talking to each other uh, about this, right? <laughs> right. So, Cat, so Bull, I mean, why sack. stop? Right. Why stop with just Phoenix? You know, we got to get Mitchell Robinson out of, out of New York because he might be good at some point. And so this is where I come at it. From Did the league's perspective, Mitchell Robinson on Devin Booker. Well, I was, I'm on, making a joke. I'm making oh, a joke. I was about to say. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I'm saying he might be good one day. So let's get him out of there like... before he's good. And, and so, agrees, you know, yeah. I think from from the league's perspective, if this is a real thing, and we all know it is, right? At what point is it the league's job to say, "All right, well, we got to get a better owner in here for the entire product"? But you can't never have, do that. You've they're got 30 teams. That. You can't have one that's just, and it's not and it's more than one. Yeah. But you can't have an awful owner that's dragging down. By the way, Phoenix, not a tiny market, not a huge TV market, but not a tiny market. It's not like that team shouldn't be successful. The weather there is amazing, especially during the basketball months. They, they should be able to attract free agents. We all know what the issue is. Right. It's sorry. Yeah. But I mean, here's yeah. the thing, Dave, is like, look what it took to get rid of Sterling. Right. Absolutely. No, no. no. And I, and I like, as far as I know, there's nothing like that with that franchise. Right. But at a certain point, I mean, this is an entertainment product. If that's actively hurting your ability to entertain, you know, if one of your teams is so bad, they need to get rid of their be- or their best player needs to leave so that he can have a chance to be successful. Well, what does that say about about your league? There is no parity. We already know that. But now we're, we're again, we're saying that the owner of that team prevents them from being successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, actually, but see, that's a non-starter, though, to me. Because oh, yeah, it's not going to happen. As an owner, it's like, wait, we're going to kick people out for being bad? That's like half the league is gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that no, no owners are going to sign up 
for that like sort of precedent, like ju- you know, just like they didn't want to sign up for Sterling. I do think if you, right. I think there should be a rule though. Look, I I think it's impossible to enforce. Like but if you miss twenty, if you 20 miss a decade, in a, a decade worth of playoffs in a row, you should be out. I don't care how close you came. It, like you could miss it by a, a game every. I don't care. Like you got to get out. <laughs> like the Sun, the Suns franchise used to be yeah. great, a model, right? Franchise. Like the '90s and the 2000s. Like it was like that. Like the Suns. Look, they weren't the they weren't the Bulls and the Spurs, but they weren't far from it. Like they that was one of the best franchises that couldn't win a title. Like that's that's a franchise that deserves better than what Robert Sarver's doing. Now, does that mean they should lose Devin Booker? No, probably not. But I do think that. Um, I don't think the idea of getting Devin Booker away from there, and maybe I'm just sensitive to it because I watched the Timberwolves waste 12 elite years out of Kevin Garnett, right? And so now I'm I'm always just like, hey, it's been seven years, get that guy out of here, you can't waste his prime. And so maybe I'm just too sensitive to it, but like, I do look at that and I'm like, look, I don't think the Suns are hopeless, and I do like what they're doing in the bubble, but it is also like, I look at the last 10 years like, man, like even the year they tried to tank, they won 48 games. And miss the playoffs, right? That was the year they were supposed to tank for Wiggins or Embiid or Jabari Parker, and they ended up like almost making the playoffs. Like they can't anything mm-hmm. they try to do, they normally screw up. They've they've screwed up the roster around Devin Booker so bad that a lot of people still don't realize how good Devin Booker is. Yeah, he's, like that, he's that's how bad up. the roster has been around him. Is that people people doubt his abilities because all his teammates have been so bad. But they are they are competent now. But I, honestly, we would look at Devin Booker so much differently if he'd been on a even decent roster. But Jay, Jay let me put, let me NBA. push back on this a little bit. What do you mean they're competent now? They're thir- they're competent. The Sun, they're thirty three the and thirty nine. Roster and team basketball team alone, they are a competent competitive team. This week they're not good. This week, but they, like that's that's been a bad team since like week three this season. And they, they, they had injuries they and suspensions a, and everything. Like I get it, but like that's a they haven't been a failure though. Like that's they, fair. They that's fair. Yeah, they haven't been a failure. Like they've been competitive. the Knicks. So that's fair, right? Yeah. They well, they got invited to the bubble. Eh, so well, I mean, have that so do the Wizards. <laughs> and they and they well, that's true. And they have talent. They have talent. Like that's undeniable. This is the first time in a long time this team has talent. Yeah, they, and it's they talent got some guys that actually go. fits. Right. It's talent that actually fits. They're not trying to do. Three tiny point guards. They're not, you know, they're not doing any weird stuff. Like it's a conventional, well-fitting basketball team that has a bunch of young guys that probably just need to grow, and then maybe they're going to be good. What? But at least there's some hope. Yeah, and there's finally hope, and it's like Draymond says, "Well, you know, gotta get rid of that hope." I guess my point. I guess my point though is, and Trey, <laughs> like I'm interested in your perspective on this because you're you've been around the team, you live in Phoenix. Like there, we didn't feel any of that hope two weeks ago, right? Like we were like, why is this team here? Why are the Spurs? Here? No, why are the Wizards here? I think, right? I think yeah, I think a lot of people were kind of laughing and, and stuff like that and wasn't supportive. But Monty early on, they they got a buzz early on in the season. Obviously, asking if this team was for real. But yeah, to be fair, obviously history doesn't really support them as much. But DeAndre Ayton's twenty five game suspension, Ricky Rubio's lower back, losing Aaron Baines. Only player that's really been consistent is, you know, uh, Devin Booker. They even lost Kelly Oubre. So it wasn't too much yeah. hope going into this. And I think Monty, Monty Williams has done an amazing job getting guys to buy in. It's just more so consistency and health. And uh, that's that's been their issue. So um, guys being able to be 
you know, uh, spend that time for those four months working on themselves, getting themselves healthy and uh, prepared for this moment. They're 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 taking the, they're making the best of their moment. And I think that's that's why uh, they're so focused. But the, the spinoff on it is that, you know, if they're not winning, they look like the laughing stock for trading off T.J. Warren. So I think that right. the winning is putting a little, you know, um, putting a, a, a Band-Aid over a gunshot wound um, for the moment. Because as soon as they, if they drop one tomorrow, say, to, to the Thunder, then it's the same old Suns, son, you know what I mean? But if they, if they beat them, then it's the miracle team. Right. All of a sudden, they're going on this, this, this magical Disney movie uh, run. So, uh, and, it, go ahead, Waff. Yeah, no, and I know everybody is loving Devin Booker. I've been a fan of his. Basically, I went to the, 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 the game, the Laker game with Magic Quit um, abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> they were playing. The, they were playing the Suns that game, and then and I remember watching it like, wow, like Devin Booker is really good. Um, but at the and, and just being a fan, and then this was at the time where he was kind of I don't want to say polarizing, but some people were just like, I'm not seeing it with this kid. Um, but 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 what I'm trying to say is like, this is the first time he's ever put in that type of effort on defense. He was just right. god awful at it before this. Um, and it seemed like he wasn't even trying. So it's, you know, it's not like he's been completely the model young franchise player since he's gotten there. Um, but it's dope to see him grow and mature into what he's doing right now because, you know, I just think he's a bona fide star. Yeah, and part of that's allowing a guy to mature, right? Like, I think Devin Booker was yep. very individualistic for a while. And I think under Monty Williams and just probably getting older and, and you know, missing the playoffs year after year, he finally realized, like, look, maybe this is what I have to do in order to take us to the next level. And it, and I, I know I sound very negative about the Suns, and mostly it's because I don't think that franchise is, is well run from the ownership standpoint, and I think that poisons the well for, for everything down. Like We've talked about that a lot over the years mm-hmm. with just any franchise. But what they're doing here in the bubble, it might just be a hard culture reset that ends up carrying on long term, right? Like that might yeah. be the case. Like I do want to leave some optimism there, but I also think like – we go through this with a couple of teams every year where it's, oh, man, it's late and they're playing well. Like, what's going to happen for them next year? And then there's still that team next year. Well, you know, we, we we talked a lot about the young teams coming into the bubble and the opportunity that it presents for growth, like, like you just mentioned. The Suns and the Spurs are the two teams that have actually taken advantage of that. The Pelicans played most of the time like they didn't want to be there. The the Grizzlies have had obviously had the Jaron Jackson injury and just struggled, but – I think the Suns really did make the most out of their trip to the bubble, whether they make the play-in game or not. And, and, you know, I know that they've spent a lot of time this year focusing on that. Devin Booker was a different player this year from from an approach standpoint, not just the stuff that he was doing on the court, but I thought his approach was different. You know, it it didn't seem like the guy who was gunning for 70, let's say. And Ricky Rubio being out there with with Booker, I I think, has helped him quite a bit too because it's opened up – some secondary playmaking opportunities for Booker. And so we've gotten to see him in that role as well. I, I mean, again, I, I hope that they can carry over this stuff, but I'm with you, Zach, uh, to a certain degree. We should definitely pump the brakes before we start saying they're going to make the playoffs. Or even like, uh, let's say they do make the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, and let's, all right, just for whatever, they go six and two, make the play in tournament, win that, go in the first round, get swept by the Lakers. That's a step forward, but I don't know that I trust 
that franchise for, okay, now you're moving in the right direction. And and there's an example of a couple years ago with a very similarly bumbling franchise, the Wolves, right? They went a huge game 82 right. against Denver. They go and they had a they had different issues. Like they've got way different issues, right? But it's also a highly touted, highly talented top young guy on the roster. Um, you know, getting a bunch of praise, getting a bunch of questions. They finally break through, they make the playoffs for the first time in what was, I think, 14 years or something like that. And then they get smoked in the first round, and now there are issues within the organization. I don't think those are going to pop up with Phoenix necessarily, but just making that playoff, you know, that that playoff berth doesn't necessarily mean okay. Now it's fixed, and I think that's the thing that I'm trying to keep in mind with with Phoenix is that all right. Let's say even they they are the Cinderella story of the bubble. They're they're not going to. Well, I guess I was going to say they're not going to be in the bubble next year. We don't know that. <laughs> Maybe they will be in the bubble next year. Maybe that's what the whole season's going to be. They were all going to be yeah. in the bubble. It, it it does feel like the Suns have found the right formula, though. Like I agree with that. Yeah, because even with the Wolves, it didn't feel like the right. It didn't. It felt like fool's gold, even though they were winning. Yeah, the Suns like they they surrounded Booker with tough dudes. Like Bridges competes his butt off. Rubio competes his butt off. All those guys just really compete. And then I think bringing in solid veterans was big for him too. Having Aaron Baines, having Ricky Rubio, like. He hasn't always had that guidance and have those guys to like set the tone for you. Sometimes you need to hear it from your, your teammate that your defense is unacceptable as, as much as from your coach. And I'm sure Baines probably let him have it. You know, Ricky Rubio sets a great example every day. I think those guys are big. And then some of their young guys are pretty good. I, I think Bridges has a chance to be a really good defender for a long time. Yeah. Um, obviously, Booker is like an all-NBA talent. They're... They actually have pieces that that they can build on, and it, it seems like the players they they believe in themselves for the first time in at least Booker's career. Yeah, I just don't want to see Suns fans, Booker, Monty Williams, all these guys get caught with their pants down, which won't happen if you have Indochino. All right, Trey, you wanted to talk about something that I think's been kind of a a very inside basketball conversation, but also something that. Um, that has been kind of all over at least the basketball Twitter conversation over the last few days. And that's most improved player because the, the finalists for all these awards came out. The most improved player finalists, I believe were Brandon Ingram, Bam Adebayo and Jason Tatum. I have that right. And some people are wondering if that's, if that's the right combination. Yeah. I think that at this point you, you, we have to change the requirements because like Luca, right? This cat is like in the MVP candidates. Kinda, you know what I mean? And you got guys that have been all stars, and I think most improved really should go to guys that's really yeah. low tier. I'm sorry, Jason Jason Tatum was Kawhi. not in the finalists. Uh it was Luca. My bad. Yeah. So so you get to the point, you know, like a guy like Devontae Graham not even making it or being in a conversation. Um, and then you got these guys that made the all star team, like they wouldn't be playing in nothing else. They wouldn't play in the sophomore game or anything like that, you know. So right. why why are we putting them in the mix? Yes, they did really well and, and up their game, you know, a little bit and got better enough to like lead their teams and, and be the guys for them teams. But I think it should go to guys that are really like at the end of the bench and just have like a great story. Like see Occam, you know, was pretty good, but I mean, I don't, I, I just don't, you know, like if you're, if you're a top five guy, it's kind of hard to kind of say like they were, they had an underdog story. I think the MIP should be underdog, uh, underdog award, you know, versus guys that, 
potentially he's going to be who he was drafted at his position, you know, his position. Like if you're a top five guy, I expect you to at least one, one day be an all-star, you know, sooner or later, year two, year three. And that's what some of these guys are doing, answering that call. But the guys that are drafted 55th, 41st, and, you know, averaging 20 points a game, those are the guys that need to be rewarded, I think. But why would, why wouldn't we expect a guy to be better from year one to year two? That This is my one of my big arguments about most improved. Like, Shouldn't we say, okay, you can you have to be like a fifth year player to get most improved. And, and and I think that that's when Trey's point really makes sense to me. Like Jimmy Butler drafted second round, probably should have been most most improved by the time he he was the fifth year in the league. Cuz then you actually have an idea of where he was projected to be to where he is. Whereas DeVonte Graham, you know, it, we talked about this last year. Like he didn't look like an NBA, an NBA player, and now he's like a backup point guard, right? Like right. he's a good backup. Uh, I still think it would be harder to do what Luca did, which is go from rookie of the year to MVP candidate on an almost you know his best player on a team that was going to win fifty games. I think that's a more difficult leap to make. But in my opinion, I would never want to pick a guy who was second or third year in the league just because I hope you're getting better. If you're not getting better, how are you staying in the league? You know, as a everyone expected that out of Luca, right? Like maybe maybe not, not to at be the an level MVP he was. candidate. In I year did. Two. Right. Nobody. Maybe I not thought, the level. I thought he, he was. But, I thought he's gonna be like up there. He showed so many flashes of it, and then like, but not this early. I see. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not two, on that train. I was already rolling. I never. I never but had he, any doubt with him. Even if you didn't expect it this early, we figured at some point Luka Doncic would be a superstar absolutely right yeah after no, his absolutely. rookie season well, that was pretty clear yeah I mean I guess, I guess the question is like does this award need to be a surprise yes. right like and maybe it does I wouldn't mind more clarification so uh was as an award voter and as an official NBA ballot award voter uh, oh not, excuse yeah sorry me. sorry I didn't I didn't want to throw that in he said there. that with his pinky up I didn't want to throw that in there but I there's a feather in his it's not was it's not a big deal I voted two years in a row not okay, I don't want you to focus on that. Let's just focus on the yes. conversation. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, I personally like so it's very it's just like who do you think's most improved? Right? That's essentially what the prompt is for voting for that. And then it's a drop down menu. I personally don't consider second year players for that award. Like last year was the first year I voted, and De'Aaron Fox, one of the most improved players in the year, but he was also a second year player, and I thought, I don't think that that works for him. Right, And it's not that I'm saying he's not improved. He was absolutely improved. Just like Devontae Graham is absolutely improved. And But to me, like I kind of to what Dave was saying, you're supposed to be better than your rookie year. Like you just, you just are. And I don't think after that, I don't think it's necessarily like, yes, you have to have this amount of improvement every single year. Now, if we wanted to say like, yo, you cannot be a top five pick and be eligible for this award at any point in your career, I'm fine with that. I would I would right. actually prefer yeah, to like kind of pare this down to make it less ambiguous um yeah. to to what Trey's saying. Uh but yeah, like for me, like I didn't put any set like I didn't vote Luka Doncic. I didn't I didn't even think of putting Luka Doncic on my ballot because he's a second year guy. It should be someone like Christian Wood. Right right. Yeah, sure. Someone who who has played in the league and you know what he actually was, and then he really, really improved, became a legitimate big man in the NBA out of after being on the fringe of a rotation out of the league, whatever he was the first few years, yeah. now now he's legitimate. 
and it should be someone like him. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't someone. be a lottery pick or something like that, right? Like I don't know. I don't know what it should be, but maybe there's got to be some kind of. I mean, the NBA awards are. I mean, we're still voting on the same awards we were doing, you know, fifty years I ago. Mean, Dave, I mean, not Dave. They gave we me a ballot. It. it can't be that serious. Right. 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 Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like I said, I, I feel that this should be an underdog award. Yeah, I don't hate that to, idea. It goes to it yeah. goes to the guy. I don't either. It goes to the guy that doesn't get that much love and pops out of nowhere. It's the it should be I'd the surprise be, award. I'd almost be down with you know no first round draft picks. You got to be a second rounder or undrafted. To be most improved. <laughs> I mean, I, I would just to, rather like you had I'd to walk three miles to school both that's ways right. in a blizzard. I'd rather, 100%. If you want to limit the field, that'd be great. But the way we do it now is just. So, All right, I'm a, I I'm, mean, while you talk, I'm gonna look up how many most improved players awards are ineligible in history. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not that many because a lot of the a lot of these just feel like guy who uh, was you know expected to be good. Became good. And I think I, I'm with you on that, Trey. I, I do think a, a little bit of a underdog story makes it makes it a better award. And I, I just wish that they would bake that into the to the process. I also would add an offensive player of the year. You know, you've got a defensive player of the year. There's a whole other side of the ball. And I know we kind of Yeah, let's get James Harden some hard MVP that way. Well, I mean, he probably would win it this year. I don't know though. Giannis might win it. Um but I, I think we could open this up a little bit and add more nuance to the conversation if we did. But you know, also awards are silly, so who cares? I, I'm on, I'm of two minds there. Just by know? the way, in the last 13 years, there have only been two most improved player awards by Dave's new criteria. That is Ma- the only Monte Ellis only and true... Goran Dragic, the only two second rounders. <laughs> there you go. But I don't hate that idea. I stand by. Uh, it. Yeah, I don't hate the idea. I stand by it. Yeah, I, I, the, I, if the if the award wasn't so ambiguous, right? And that's kind of the issue. I, no one, maybe that's the point yeah. of these awards is to make them ambiguous, and then we argue about them and everything. But like, like Trey, I mean, Devontae Graham is clearly one of, if not the most improved players in the in the NBA this year. Because as we've noted many times, especially Waz and I, that dude did not belong in the NBA last year, and now he was like a guy. Who, like, granted, it's the Hornets, but that dude should have been starting on the Hornets all season. He was. I that remember good. when he got called up. And everybody was like, what? Who was that? Right? And then yeah. it got to a point where they signed Rosé. I mean, not Rosé. Uh, Rosier. And everybody's like, cool, whatever whatever that means. Trey's still thinking about that versus battle. Yeah, that yeah wasn't, exactly. <laughs> that, wasn't, that, was, that wasn't pretty. But look, it, neither was a Terry Rosier signing. But overall... You know, you get Rozier, and everybody's like, he's going to be all right. He's going to be a dog. He's in the right spot. And then we got Devontae Graham just showing up every night, putting his hard hat on and hooping. And, you know, with zero expectations. So you got to reward guys like that. And for him not to be on the, you know, the ballot is a slap on the face, man, because, you know, he was some nights they didn't even have a chance. And, and, and he's, you know, willing them hitting game winners and all kind of stuff. He dude. legitimately made them right. interesting this year. I want to tone down the Devontae Graham. Talk. I was going to say, he had a really good October, November. He had like two uh, good months yeah. and then was awful the yeah. rest of the way. He he shot yeah. 33% in December. Because he's dragging Terry Rosier's <laughs> bum ass around. percent in February. You know what's scary, <laughs> Terry? Is having to give him the ball 30% of the time. <laughs> Hey, hey! I, I like how Jay hit us with the. You need to relax. 
He hit us with the Will Ferrell pretty much. But okay. But again, he's I'm, a he's a fine he he turned himself into what I think is a fine backup point guard. But yeah, I mean it is a little bit overblown. He he had a nice little season though. And he was certainly improved quite a bit. Yeah, because yeah. he wasn't Way an NBA better. player last year. Like he really wasn't. Way better. I'm not trying to be mean and about it, he, but he that dude sucked. Well, in the and, bubble, and, we got to give it to campaign. Oh man, I mean campaign. Oh my god, oh, yeah. his career. He was. A, Where did that come from? I mean, he, uh, it came from probably someone saying you're eight games away from spending the rest of your career in China. That's probably what that came from. Game though, like he it came out of absolutely yeah, nowhere. No. I can remember when the Celtics played. Who he was on the Bulls, I think, and their whoever was coaching the Bulls at the time just came out. Campaign did such a great job doing pretending to be Isaiah Thomas in practice today, like just trying to hype him up however he could. We were sitting there like, <laughs> is he talking about scout team at practice? <laughs> like, is this guy really hyping up Campaign for being a scout team player in practice? But he was. It, it must have been Fred Hoiberg. Um, so campaigns come a long way. Maybe he's just pretending to be Isaiah Thomas out there in, yeah. in real life these days. Hey, man, we saw him at Summer League last last year, and everybody just agreed, like, wow, this is so sad. He's never going to make it back to the league. He's doing Summer League. Like, everybody was just, like, sort of really down about his prospects to, you know, sort of stick to a team and make a rotation ever again. And this has been really cool. It's a really cool story, man, to see, like, the the sort of yeah. highs and lows of his career for him to come back and and do what he's doing right now is pretty dope. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Well, he incredible. had Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome's breathing down his neck, man. He felt the pressure. Oh, I like Ty Jerome. He can play. Um, yeah, maybe someone play. will tell campaign story or or Devonte Graham's story. Maybe it'll be artifact. They've set you up with one of their professional interviewers, guys, to capture stories about important people or things in your life. Think of it like a podcast episode about whatever you want. You can capture family history with parents and grandparents, talk about friends and family as a birthday, wedding, anniversary gift, both about how they've made a difference in your life. Also share some hilarious stories. Me personally, I get asked a lot. I get asked a lot. I think they see me making a career out of, out of journalism and they think, well, he did it. I could do this, right? And so I get a lot of like, hey, how did you get a career in NBA journalism? And I'll be honest with you guys. I'm sick of telling the story. I'm sick of talking about the story. And so I went to Artifact. They interviewed me. They asked me a couple of questions. They asked me for some contacts of other people who could speak on it. And I'm going to have a podcast pretty soon with my story of how I became an NBA journalist. Journalists use very useless, very uselessly there, very loosely there as well. I went to heyartifact.com, told them a few basic things that I wanted the artifact to be about. Then I answered the questions. They scheduled my interview. It took a few minutes. And the interview was about, I want to say like 25, 30 minutes. It wasn't that long. It was easy. Just called in over the phone from uh, from my couch here. And uh, and if you've had an interview before, it's answering questions. It's pretty easy. I'll be sharing the episode as soon as it's ready. But you can go to heyartifact.com. Here's some awesome samples. There's a ton of ways to use Artifact to capture stories with your friends and family. Just go to heyartifact.com. Use the promo code NBA. You'll get $40 off your first one. That's heyartifact.com. Use promo code NBA for $40 off. All right, guys. Last thing here before we go. Coming up this week, it's TJ Warren, who, unless Mikhail Bridges is on the floor, cannot be stopped. I want to throw Devin Booker in there as well, because Devin Booker did a great job on TJ Warren. Unless those two Suns' wings are on the floor, he cannot be stopped right now. LeBron couldn't do it. Nobody can do it. No one can stop him. 
He's scoring like crazy, and he's going against Jimmy Butler this week. Was there's been a lot of shit talking. We started the episode with shit talking. We're gonna end it with shit talking. There was a lot of shit talking after their little kerfuffle there in January, whenever it was. And we've been circling <laughs> these two games that they're gonna face each other. Jimmy's missed the last three games. He said he's gonna be. He should be healthy. He should be ready to go for this game. What can we expect out of the greatest score the bubble has ever seen? Versus Jimmy Butler. <laughs> hey man, um, Jimmy is not exactly you know what he was in the Chicago days as far as like a one-on-one perimeter guy. Obviously, he's still really good. Just his mental capacity on defense and just his instincts are still you know as elite as anybody in the league. But he's not that guy anymore. Um, and so you know, I kind of anticipate T.J. Warren taking it to him. Um, T.J.'s improved. Basically, every single season since he's been in the league offensively, um, I have it on personal authority that he is, like, one of the craziest workout guys, like, out there. Like, he's constantly working and fine-tuning his game. Um, the knock on him early on in his career was that he doesn't, he didn't play defense. Um, I've been told that he studied Kawhi Leonard tapes <laughs> um, the past two summers. To get the braids right? On, <laughs> I mean, nobody you're not gonna have straight backs that crispy I, I don't think so um but but you know um it's it's been dope to watch him to watch him evolve as a player and I think part of that evolution Zach is you know you're not afraid to talk shit to an all-star yeah. to a guy who's known for his defensive chops and you know a guy who's who's made his name on defense in this league so um I'm really interested to see that um it's been dope watching him just you know, just dropping 50 and 40 on Katz's head tops um, all bubble long. So it's going to be dope, man. Yeah, I think, I mean, Trey, it's kind of funny because when the whole thing with Jimmy went down, everyone was talking shit about TJ Warren. Like, who do you think you are? Even though he's had a great year, they was just kind of like, what are you doing talking this shit to, to Jimmy Butler? And it kind of felt like once we got the layoff and everything, TJ Warren just decided like, oh, I'm going to show them that I'm allowed to talk shit. Like I've, I'm good. I've improved every year, as Waz said. I'm gonna come through, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop something on these guys. I think, I think it's unfair to TJ Warren. It's just a lot of people kind of tapped out on Suns games. This dude's been a bucket from the very, very day one. The thing is, is that, um, you know, just people didn't watch the Suns. He can score, but I think now with you know Vic still struggling with confidence and trying to figure things out, and Demontis out. They've handed the keys over to him and let him rock. And with those with those four months being away from the game, he's taking advantage of it. And, you know, the confidence is high. He, he has a groove and guys keep finding him, you know what I mean? And they're they're riding his coattails. So I like it. And I think that, you know, obviously Jimmy Butler has earned his keep in this league. He's still going to have to play defense on the other end. And, and T.J. Warren comes from a strong family background, I'm talking about, Nate McMillan and them, you know, Nate McMillan and his dad played together at NC State. And, you know, he he's he's a, he's a tough he's a tough cookie, dog. So, it should be nice, but also TJ Warren is questionable, so we'll see if we get this matchup, but I'll have my popcorn ready. I don't think there's any way he's going to miss this game. Um, you know, he's a 20-point a game scorer and he was given away by the sun. Cash considerations. He might as well might now, as well got traded for a now, printer. Now to be fair, that was a 1.1 $1. $1 million dollar printer. Okay? 
That's <laughs> right. a good printer right there. That's got to be like well, an HP well, or something. That same, also, same store the government. Right. That also got the Suns able to get Ricky Rubio. So we have to true. be yeah. mindful. Right. We That's have true. to be mindful. Right. But that being said, you see what happens when he when he has some space to operate. Sabonis so sitting out there, so the, the offense has actually got some room around the elbows and the places that TJ likes to operate. I was having this conversation with, with Mo and Seth uh, in our group text. If you put TJ Warren on the Sixers, they immediately get better. Like if you replaced Tobias Harris with TJ Warren, Ooh. he solves so many problems for them. I don't hate that. That's a player, that's a player that you don't necessarily build around, but good teams always have a guy like that. And so I think that when we talk about TJ, we should be thinking about him as a piece that maybe the Pacers should be really focused on this summer. And in particular, because they've got decisions to make on Oladipo and Turner Sabonis. I think TJ Warren is a guy they should be considering a core piece going forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I look, he's, he, he's been good. He established that he can hit the three last year. And now he's like, Jay, he's not just hitting threes. Like he's, He's hitting threes, initiating the pick and roll. Like it's not just okay. He can spot up that. Like he's doing stuff off the dribble. Like he, like this dude can score pretty much any way. He's a great, like elite finisher around the basket. Like he's yeah, he's he always, do anything. Always, always been a bucket. Yeah. Like he he was probably born a bucket. He just has a nose for the hoop. He always had that back at NC State. He had that. Now he's added what he's added with the pull up three pointer game is such a big development for him because that unlocks so many things for a score. When you have that in your bag, defenses need to guard you differently. It frees up so much else for you. I'm just I was just looking back at the uh the Butler versus TJ Warren stuff. It was so personal when they had their little fight. Like that was Oh, absolutely. That was really they were mean. Yeah. Butler called him fucking trash, said he's not at my level. He kissed him goodbye. Like, but, he blew a kiss Butler to him. Butler said, Butler treated him like a nobody, like an absolute bum. TJ Warren's got to be just fired up. Now he's now he's the king of the bubble, the bubble god. Yeah. And I, I'm looking forward to this matchup quite a bit. Waz, before we go, um, you know. I'm not saying Butler hasn't had an injury the last three games, but it's a built-in excuse if things don't go well, you know? <laughs> you always you always got to, you know, drop those little breadcrumbs. You, you, you always need to do that just in case things don't go your way and you can just, you know what I mean? You can brush it off and be like, well, you know, I was coming off an injury. Well... You know, minutes restriction. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, there's there's always a way to come up with an you know, excuse. You know, or at least I've always found that to be the case. That's why the life. Lakers... That's why the Lakers always keep a whiteboard in the locker room. <laughs> exactly. That's why. And let, let me just a little tip for you, Jimmy. I know you're listening. Make a layup early in the game. And even if nothing has gone wrong, maybe just do a little limp back up the floor. Like, oh, you know, I don't know if this is feeling right. You know, <laughs> you don't do it on a miss. You do it on a make. That's how you get. That's how you get in everyone's head. Okay. That's just a little pro tip for you guys out there. You, you running gingerly. You run gingerly after a make, and that shows like, yeah, man, it didn't affect the shot there, but maybe it will later. Maybe it'll affect my defense later. That's how you. That's just how. That's just the game within the game within the game. Jay, I know you know what I'm talking about. 
That's a, that's just what you do. It's a veteran move. Jimmy Butler's a veteran. He knows what he's he knows what he's doing. We're going to see that this week as we wrap up the bubble. Of course, we have on the Athletic NBA show tampering coming up on Tuesday. We got hoops adjacent on Wednesday. We've got point of contention Thursday. Nerdish wrote on Friday. Make sure you're checking out No Dunks. Make sure you're t- checking out the team specific podcast from all your favorite beat writers and all your favorite hosts to check that out. Make sure you subscribe to the Athletic. If you're not subscribed to the Athletic then make sure you subscribe to the podcast on any podcast platform. Leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, all that good stuff. And for Trevon Edwards, Wazi Lambre, Jay King, Dave DeFore, Mike Smeltz, I'm Zach Harbour. Keep it locked in on The Athletic NBA Show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.